Welcome to The Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. On this episode of Open Door Policy, Danielle and I get to talk to each other about the wonders of Advent, the joys of Christmas, what our favorite Christmas carols and Christmas memories are, and then to share how Unleash the Gospel is possible during this Christmas season. Hello, Father Steve Fullis. Hello, Danielle Center. So here we are, Christmas special edition. You want to talk a little bit about Advent, Christmas, holidays, ordinary time. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought this would be great for us to talk about some of the traditions we know and have around Advent and Christmas, some of the favorite parts we have around this uh, time of year, and then why Unleash the Gospel fits for what we're looking at for Christmas, how we can apply all of the wonderful things uh, the movement of Unleash the Gospel calls for this time of year. So let's do it. Let's do it. Question number one, do you have favorite adventy preppy things that you do like favorite adventy preppy things like advent prep things okay they don't have to be preppy yeah you're like i pop my collar yeah (laughs) thinking of zach morris hello who's calling zach morris Oh, we've got a winner! Congratulations! Uh, favorite Advent things? Well, I go to confession during Advent, of course. I mean, that's not the only time I go, but I really think about uh, that. And I love the O antiphons, which are like... What is that? They are these prayers of different ways of talking about the prophecy of mm. the coming of Jesus the last few days before Christmas. And they are the verses of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's where we get that song from. So I love praying those uh, the days leading up to Christmas. That's one of my favorite things during Advent. That's cool. Do you have a favorite Christmas decoration or food? Hmm. Or one of each. Yeah. You're like, I only like decorations. (laughs) I don't want to talk about food. Right. Or smells, I guess. You know, I live here at Sacred Heart Seminary, and uh, they mix up the incense based on the season for a holy hour. And they have a rockin' Advent incense. I've been meaning to ask the sacristan (laughs) what they use, but it smells awesome during Advent. That is quickly becoming a favorite Advent smell uh, for me. Follow-up question that doesn't tie into that. Okay. Is there a least favorite Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some nasty incense (laughs) out there. There's some really nasty incense out there. Oh, okay. Okay. Didn't know. But a favorite Christmas decoration? This could have been from your childhood. So we have, um, growing up, I'm one of 10 kids in my family, right? So our Christmas tree was like all sorts of ham- homemade, school-made Noodle decorations, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was great. So 10 kids, everyone had something. My brother, Joe, who's the who's in the middle, he's number um, six well, in our where are family. You? I'm number nine. Oh, okay. My brother, Joe, made an ornament in probably second grade, first or second grade, that's like the size of a sheet of paper, like eight <laughs> and a half by 11, and that makes its way on the tree every year. <laughs> And it stands out bigger than any other ornament. That's and so, awesome. So I love seeing that. Um, and since my mom passed away about six years ago, my dad puts up a tree and the uh, ornament of Joe makes it on there every year Aww. as well. So it's really cool. Aww. Do you have a favorite food of the holiday? A favorite Christmas food. You're like, oh, we've arrived. Yeah, you know, we would always do Chinese food on uh, Christmas Eve. Really? Yeah, we didn't do a big Christmas Eve thing um, in our family. Christmas Day was the dinner. 
So just doing like Christmas Eve, being chill, uh, growing up, and even when I was a young adult uh, at home, uh, I loved that. And that was a cool tradition. So is that, that like be up there. with all the sibs, or is that with like well, as as my no, as my older siblings got married and moved out, it got smaller and smaller. But it was always, you know, six or seven people at least. What's so, the gap the crowd. between you, like oldest, oldest polis, youngest polis kid? What's yeah, the gap? Yeah, there is a fifteen-year gap. Oh, okay. So you guys so are pretty close. Ten kids in fifteen years. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. I'm one of five, as you know. You yeah. know all my siblings, though. I do, and you're second of five. Second of five. Yeah. And what's the gap there? Five years. Okay. <laughs> but there's yeah. there's twins in there. So. Yeah, there's twins. Paul and Christine. Hey guys, how's it going? Um, do you have Stretching back into your memory, was there a Christmas gift? Did you guys do gifts or oh, yeah. tend too many gifts? Oh, well, we did gifts from our parents every year. Uh, and then siblings, we would do a uh, kind of a secret Santa. For Is there a gift you'll never forget? I know one year when I was real little, my dad put a basketball hoop. He got us a basketball hoop and put that in the driveway. I was probably in, I don't know. Preschool, kindergarten. Yeah, but this is about the same time you were dreaming about being an NBA player. When I knew I would be an NBA player. Yeah. defenders and comes up with the basketball. Before I blew out my knee. Um, no, um, that was. I remember being really excited about that, and you know, having a bunch of older siblings, they were really excited about it. It was something we could do together. That that was a lot of fun. My favorite thing about people talking about their childhood is that I can't really imagine what you looked like as a child. So you just look exactly like you look right now, but short. <laughs> and so it's like like uh, you I, in right. a driveway with mittens, a little beard, but you're only like three feet high and you have like a puffy coat like that's yeah. what i imagine your dad setting up the the basketball hoop and you're like this is cool yeah I tell you what we'll try to throw a kid's picture up on the uh okay. on the aod website maybe, or the that'll uh, be open door policy oh, website yeah. maybe it'll just be a picture of your face that'd be cute are there like polis family traditions for christmas or not really just the chinese food yeah i mean that was kind of a it was you know the best part about traditions is when they don't try to be traditions yeah. right when they grow organically, yeah, like the liturgy develops organically, or a lot of times our spiritual life, our mm-hmm. prayer life will develop organically. Friendships. Um, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, since we've gotten older, we get together pretty much every Christmas, um, everyone who can, and um, we do a white elephant gift exchange, which is just a ton of fun. So that's a lot of fun. Yep. Cool. Thanks, friend. Thank you. Cra- I feel like I know you so much better. All right, Danielle, I want to ask you what, like, your favorite Christmas memory was growing up. It can be secular or kind of Christ-centered, but what, like, when you think back as a kid, what was Christmas for you? You know what? I have always loved Christmas, and I still do. (laughs) And I remember when I was little one time, I, like, went in. I just love everything about it. I love the decorations. I love the food. I love that my people get together. I'm, like, super extroverted. I love that there's, like, special clothes that we're supposed to wear. Like, it's all good for me. And I remember I, like, went into the kitchen where my mom was, and I was like, Mom, I love Christmas. And she was overwhelmed because she has, like, she would like hand make us gifts and stuff and there's five of us and she would like do all the parties and she was like good I hope you never lose that (laughs) and I think about that sometimes because I'm like dude I still love this and um but one that I remember is I I like we like would never ask for things for Christmas and I really my cousin had like 
like months before gotten these like little dogs, like small little dogs figurines and I wanted them so bad and I asked my like one aunt was like the hookup aunt for toys because she like knew it was up and she was like hey what do you want for Christmas and I'm like this thing and then we went to their house Christmas Eve and she got me something really close but it wasn't like the right thing and I was like six and she was like oh was that the right thing and in my mind I was like safe face center and I was like thanks it was then the next day I was at my parents house we got up, opened the gifts, and my parents had got me the right thing. And I was like, yes, thank wow. you, Jesus. I know, I was like, thanks, baby Jesus. So that was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Let me ask you about like a, a Christ-centered, church-centered um, memory about Christmas. Did you go to Mass as a family yeah. on Christmas? Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or... I have no recollection of what day it was (laughs) because I was a kid. But I remember, um, like, at the church where we used to go, they had the the nativity then set up, and we would, like, look at it and all that. And, oh, that was another thing that I remember is my mom um, isn't really a collector, but she's a a world traveler. And so when she traveled, she would collect nativities from around the world. Okay. So we have, like, 50 of them. And... um, But there was, like, one that we were allowed to play with. So, like, leading up to Christmas, we would just, like, play with it. And it was the one that, like, ended up with, like, all the weird ones (laughs) that don't match. The island of misfit nativity pieces. Sure. And so, like, we would, like, play with that. So I remember that as well. How about you? What about you guys? Did you guys do anything like that? Yeah. um, We didn't have 50 nativity scenes, that's for sure. Um, But uh, I think of we always went to Mass on Christmas Day. And so, like as a little kid, um, we would uh, we'd get up on Christmas Day and we would unwrap presents. And there's just some like, you know, I don't know if your family does this. We always pull out these pictures around Christmas time, and there's just these pictures of all of us in pajamas and like hair <laughs> everywhere, like showing yeah. off the toys. It's awesome. It's just chaos, right? Yeah. Um, I remember it being awesome. <laughs> Maybe for my parents, it, it was awesome or not, but it's like right? it's kind of magic and beautiful, too. Yeah. Because yeah. now you have little kid nephews and nieces, and to like see the magic from them again, you're like, oh, yes. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And you too, right? Oh, you my gosh. You have little nieces and nephews. I know. I'm so actually... I, I was at TJ Maxx and there taking was, it to the max. <laughs> and I found there was this one, I found one really really cool nativity set yeah. for kids, and I bought it for them because well, I was like, that's what I remember from being a, a kid. Is what is a nativity set. set for kids? Well, it's like not fragile. It's oh, made out of okay. wood, and then it was painted on, so it's like you can't break it. Okay, it's like kind of key. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're little still, so they're toddlers. Yeah. I want to talk about like Christmas as an adult too, For right? Because sure. Christmas as a kid is beautiful and it's fun. In yeah. a lot of ways, like Christmas is structured around little kids, but it's also should be a joyful time, whether you're married or single as an adult, whether you you have kids or or you don't. Um, so I want to talk about like what a joy of Christmas is now for Danielle. Yeah, I oh, I still just love it. I love all of the parts of it. I love that it's 
it's just so lavishly tied to the love of baby Jesus. Like everything that we do during Christmas time doesn't make sense to like normal adults. Like, like, okay. This I is not how yeah, adults should behave. This is behave. not how adults behave, but they all do it, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, you know what we're going to do? Take a bunch of little lights and put them on the house and plug them in. That doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? But like everyone does it and it's magic. And then it's like, usually there's like all this, I love Trashy Pop, but like this time of year, it's like Bing Crosby on the radio. I'm like, baby Jesus, this is magic. Thank you. And then like, <laughs> I love the people in my life, but I never, I like almost never buy them gifts. And then you buy like this beautiful paper and wrap it in it. It's just like, everything is so cool. So I love it, even though I will admit it's a little bit overwhelming because we actually both work in ministry, yeah. as you know. And so I feel like like my, my uh, siblings who work just in regular industry, um, they they kind of slow down this time of year. Like people start going to parties and stuff, but I feel we're kind of ramping up. It's yeah. just a little tricky to stay on top of like spiritual stuff. Do you find that like busy? Yeah. I mean, I so I work in our central service offices yeah. now in like the AOD like headquarters, if you will. Um, but my first two years as a priest, I was in a parish and I loved it. I love so I, we're both like super extroverted, right? So <laughs> listeners, have you figured this out? <laughs> right. As a noun, it means an outgoing, overtly expressive person. I, I love like, all the people around, yeah, and like the people who come to church who never come yeah. to church at any other time. Like I just got like pumped up by it. Yeah, I just loved all of the time and effort and the yeah. thought that went into it. Um, you know, one of the things we did at our parish that I thought was so cool. They would have This at, is parish where you worked as a priest or parish yeah, where no, you were a child. No, this is when I was a priest. Um, they would choose a family for each of the Christmas masses to bring up the baby Jesus in the procession and put him in the crib Aww. in the crash. Uh and they put a lot of time and effort into finding a family for whom it would mean a lot for. So I remember my first year, there was uh, a family whose mom passed away, wow. and it was just a really tragic situation. And the dad had three little boys. And seeing the youngest boy take the baby Jesus with his two brothers and dad behind him, and then bringing the baby Jesus up on Christmas Eve mass mm -hmm. and put him in, and just the smile on this kid's face, I'm like... You know, I, I I was getting choked up. It was so beautiful. Yeah. And and singing, you know, Joy to the World yeah. as Go we're coming in. Mountain. Yeah. And because I was the associate, I got the uh, the gym mass at this time. So there's a mass in the church and a mass in the gym. And the gym mass was always just a little bit like off, right? <laughs> we had the, like the second rate second yeah. rate vessels yeah. and the sound system didn't work perfectly and people were in the bleachers so there's a lot of like up and down bleacher noise and uh, it was mostly people who came a little bit later so like you know people yep. didn't always know what to do so it was to me it was a little bit rowdy yeah and I loved it and just to see the joy of this little boy and his brothers and his dad in this time I thought man like this is why you came Jesus like, yeah you came for this family and this is what this is what it's about, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's it's about Christ coming in and being with us in the midst of all that brokenness. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome. It was beautiful. So that's a memory, like not too long ago memory yeah. of Christmas that I'll hang on to for the rest of my life. 
Yeah. Do you like Advent? Are you an Advent fan? Oh. Like, did you dye your hair purple for during Lent. Advent? For oh, Lent. that was Lent. That's for okay. Lent. That's for right. Lent. I thought about doing it for Advent, too. But... I didn't. That, that is liturgical commitment, Danielle. <laughs> I know. I know. No, yeah. Anyway, I I love it. And I think that I kind of am loving it as as an adult. And I actually, I told Father, I was telling you earlier, um, I just helped with an Advent retreat this past weekend. And so I, and, uh, I was asked to just kind of give like a talk about who we are. And, and we were talking about Monsignor Trap. One thing he once said to me is, the two things the accuser will always try to take from you is your identity and your destiny. So I love how Advent ties into our identity of like all these people like longing, 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 longing. I yeah. love that message of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I get hype, man. I like the music of Advent too. I like, like the music. Like the songs of, I love the music. Advent yeah. Are awesome. I'm like right? all of this is great. All right, cool. We have extra candles done. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite Christmas song. My favorite Christmas song. Uh, I'll give you two. I love Oh Holy Night. Do you really? Yeah. A, a particular version. Hashtag Josh Groban. Um, like we grew up with Plus or uh, Luciano Pavarotti, okay. and so he's the guy who owns that Do you song. Have a lyric Everyone else that is just sl- trying. You're like this is hitting it. Yeah, where um, you know, uh, I can't remember how the whole song goes, but um, where the soul felt its worth, right? Yes. It talks about Jesus coming into the world, and it mm-hmm. says the soul felt its worth, and a just thrill like of hope, the yeah. very world rejoices. Yeah, but the, like we look at God, like breaking into the world, and that's what I'm worth, and that's what you're worth, and that's what we are worth, mm-hmm. and um, so I love that song. And then I love God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. Dude, that's I like, mine too! I like like the, the March kind of <laughs> aspect of yeah. it. But that's your favorite? Well, I've, I, there's two that I really like. And it's, and it's so like underplayed, in my humble opinion. It is. Um, but I also, I also like Silver Bells. That's like my secular one. Three-quarter mm. time, friends. Mm. Um, but God Rest You Merry Gentlemen... Let nothing you dismay, for Jesus Christ your Savior was born upon this day to save us all from Satan's power. Like, like just Boom. throw it out Boom. there. Like, and, and it's cool when I hear it on the radio. I'm like, that's what's up. Like, <laughs> like just like Smackdown. I like it. I like I like a good Smackdown in my like Christmas music. So I love that one. And then I also really like Oh Little Town of Bethlehem because I think it's also like was well, like minor key, which is kind of weird. And we can all agree that Angels We Have Heard on High is an awesome Christmas song. Right? Yeah, can agree. So we, we've talked about Unleash the Gospel with our guest, Danielle, which has been a lot of fun. Like this movement yeah. that calls us to be a mission-oriented church, right? to get out of the maintenance mode of how can we survive and keep ourselves alive and how do we just keep doing what we're doing and how do we turn and say, we want to propose Christ to those we meet. Um, Christmas is a time that we think about, I mean, we've been talking about how like yeah. even the secular world is celebrating the birth of Jesus now, right? Yeah. So how do we do this around Christmas? Do we like crowbar Jesus into every... You know, with our atheist relative who comes over at Christmas, you know, you know why we're here, don't you? Right, right, like, right. So, so to think about like, um, how do we proclaim Christ during this Christmas season? And I think uh, Unleash the Gospel gives us some starting points. Do you have any thoughts What's your before insight? we jump in? Um, no, just jump in, Frendo. Okay. What are your insights, Brendo? Um, 
You know, I look at the family section, and we've talked about families a few times. And Yeah, we had some family guests. We did, yeah, in Guidepost 7. And I think, like, we both talked about the memories we have uh, in Christmas about our families growing up, right? Mm -hmm. And we're both blessed to be from really great families uh, where the faith was shared and family was important. And I think Christmas is a time for us to thank God for our families, um, to be grateful and gather with them. Uh, but sometimes that's hard for people. And I just think about um, the way we gather around at Christmas with people is a chance for us to be united with uh, people we share kind of a, I don't know, ancestry is too strong a word, but share a connection with growing up and see people and and connect to our past, connect yeah. to what brought us here. And, uh, and I think Unleash the Gospel is pointing us to say families are key if we're going to be agents of the new evangelization. If we're going to be the ones who bring Christ into the world, it has to happen in and through families. Uh, A yeah. question. Yeah. Um, in Because, like, I love the season, but this is something that I'm super aware of, too, is that you can get kind of lost and distracted in it, right? And so mm. it's really easy for me to be like, all right, been making gifts all day. Oh, wow, now it's super late, and I haven't prayed yet. So yeah. how, like... How do you see ways of keeping like just intentional, like an intentional focus on where the season should be or even in, and I don't know if your family has this situation, but do you have situations of people who, you know, maybe aren't practicing as much or, or something like, how do you, how do you do those things? What is, what does it intentionally look like to remember your past and to pass that on to the next, the next generation as it were? Yeah. So I don't know. We're we're a big family, and our family, when we get together, we retell stories we've hmm. told every year, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes those stories change a little bit, right? <laughs> As they should. As <laughs> right. they should. Right. Um, but for me, that's a time to like thank God when I'm driving home or before I go to bed to, yeah. to really make that a blessing of, you know, we tend to remember the good things. Mm-hmm. And even if we remember yeah. a time of trial— we remember it with kind of like touched with joy about how we went through that together. Um, so it fills my heart with gratitude. And so I try to make my prayer at this time of year to be a lot of gratitude, a lot of thanking the Lord for that. Um, you know, as a priest, I'm blessed to get to spend time each day with the Word of God, uh, mm-hmm. the breviary, the liturgy of the hours. And to take some quiet time for me to marvel at the wonder of the incarnation to just think like we were talking about families to think that god broke into our family Mm -hmm. the family of humanity and he wants to be part of our family you know as dysfunctional and awkward and Mm -hmm. you know uh, messed up as we are that god chose to become part of our family and for me, just looking at the nativity scene, I remember as a young adult doing that after midnight mass, just spending a few minutes in front of the nativity scene or or now just praying over that, like just letting wonder fill my heart and my mind and not feeling like I have to understand it all or figure it all out mm-hmm. the way I think about like my parents loving me or my siblings. Like I don't have to figure out why they love me, right? Mm-hmm. I just have to receive that and be filled with gratitude and wonder even more so with God. Do you have, uh, I mean, in the midst of working for the church this time of year, 
how do you stay connected to the Lord in prayer? Well, you know what? Something I was thinking about is um, my my family's kind of artsy too, and so we usually put together some kind of like this is you're gonna be like, wow, y'all are so weird, but we're like theatrical and stuff. So we usually when we were kids, we had this bin of like costumes of the Christmas show, and when the family got together, we would reenact the Christmas story. Yeah. Oh wow. yeah, I know. I know. And so um, we don't really did do your that parent, anymore. Did your parents partake? Or yeah, was it? like okay. all the adults partook. Usually my Uncle Jimmy was Uncle Her- was um, King Herod. <laughs> Uncle Herod. <laughs> was King Herod because he had this like colander. We were all, yeah. <laughs> we were all the bad characters. <laughs> no, he had like the colander. It was his crown. Wise men come, wise men go. Will Herod let him live? And... um. And then, uh, so we don't do that anymore. But now we, now we kind of like my my siblings are like musicians, and I'm kind of a writer. So usually, like one of us will write something and we'll sing a few songs, which Ho- is like also cool. Hopes and fears. It sounds hopes like. hopes and fears. That's I was like, this is my, I have a brother named Paul Center, and he um, and he's writing an Advent reflection piece. Yeah, so we're doing that too, which has been cool. So the one that I wrote was about the women of the genealogy of Christ, because there are only four women listed in the genealogy. Mm-hmm. And which is funny because it's like, well, there would have been more if there are all of these men <laughs> listed here, friends. But um wait, is that how that works? <laughs> oh shoot, maybe I shouldn't have told you that. Anyway, now you know. It's too late now. And uh so we're we've been working on that too, which has been cool. And and that's you know, so it's a performance. It's going to be performed, but like the cool part is really getting together with people and kind of seeing like how how God is working in their lives and what's inspiring them. So I think that's been cool too. Which which you do as a family, right? Which we do as I a mean, family with other people too. Yeah. But like your family still keeps that tradition to yeah to do some of these things together, which is really cool. Yeah, it is, and kind of leads us a little bit, a little bit marker six. A little bit. Marker yeah. six, person-to-person engagement slash going out, like getting outside of what we normally do. And we were talking about this. Apparently, you've never been Christmas caroling. I have never gone to a stranger's house and bombarded them <laughs> with the my door, singing. Knocked on the door and been like, would you no. like to hear me sing? D- don't you do that on Halloween? Like, you, how many times a year <laughs> can you go to strangers' oh. <laughs> houses? And I thought you said you sang to people on Halloween. I'm like, you are doing this wrong. <laughs> what do you want from us? Please give us all of your money and don't try anything funny. <laughs> but. But, um, uh, but I just, I don't know. I think this is a special time to, like, where it's, like, kind of culturally acceptable to do weird stuff, like, that's a little bit out of the norm. So I like that about this time of year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, we, we were talking before with our producer, Ron, and he agrees with me that we have never gone to a stranger's no, house. No, he has gone. He He's has gone, gone to caroling. friends and okay. family, not to strangers. Well, but this is going They're out, in for right? a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I still love you people that I don't know. Who's who's the joyful missionary disciple now, <laughs> let, let me Let me pass the badge <laughs> over to you. Just kidding. Just kidding. Everyone has their own their own gifts. But you were talking about another guidepost, too. Yeah. And I'd so, love to hear about it. Yeah. So I just want to talk about, uh, for those listening, quiz for you. Quiz. Uh, marker 10.1. What is it? <laughs> Time's up. Yeah, just kidding. Um, (laughs) Mary as the star of evangelization. And so you're talking about going out. Mm. I think about, you know, Mary's role just in my own life about helping me um, receive Christ, being open Mm -hmm. to Jesus's call in my life. And just a piece I feel 
going to Mary and how her whole life was bringing people to Jesus, right? And so that's why she is the star of evangelization, because her life was about, you know, telling the waiters, uh, do whatever he tells you. And her life was about bringing the um, in utero Jesus to Elizabeth and John the Baptist. Like we, we read in the Gospel of Luke, Mary went in haste to visit her kinswoman Elizabeth. And she goes because she has Jesus to bring. Yeah. And so I, I love that image of us being in haste to bring the good news of Christmas, the good news of Jesus' birth to other people. Do you have a particular image of Mary that you love? Yeah, so this time of year, too, um, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Dude, I was going to say that. Yeah? Yeah, so I work at a Hispanic parish. As yeah. you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe, get hype, right? Yeah. So, and they, that it's such a cool devotion. It's really interesting being a part of, like, well, listeners wouldn't know this because you haven't seen my face, but I'm a white, white person, and I work at a Hispanic parish, and there is... So there's all these really cool devotions around this time of year that I I had known about, but I hadn't like mm-hmm. firsthand experience. Lady of Guadalupe is one. They start before the sun rises and Las Mañanitas, Las and they come and they sing these songs of like gratitude for bringing them the gift of faith. Yeah. That's so sweet. And then they do Las Posadas, which is like a novena leading up to Christmas. And there's this special song where Mary and Joseph are looking for room in the inn. Can we stay with you? No, hmm. please, no. Please, no, please. Okay, fine. Here's a piñata. <laughs> and I uh, love that one. And then they have this other devotion that they were just telling me about where they have like baby Jesus like statues in their house. And that's a really cool one too. So anyway, totally hear you on Our, Our Lady of Guadalupe. That's such a, a special one. And I love to see the the love be reciprocated from the community that I, I work with. And I love to see like the celebratory nature of it too. Like it's not just like yeah. solemn. It's like, oh, okay, why don't we party all night? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm down for this. Thank you, patroness of the Americas. So yeah. I hear you. It's super festive. And I mean, I love to think about her role in the evangelization of our continent, right? Yeah. That the conquistadors came with like all these great priests, but they came with swords and, and you know, to share Christ and they didn't, with, they with didn't, weapons. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they didn't get like any. Weapon. No, yeah. no, they didn't. And then Mary appears uh, in the image of a... Um, of an Aztec young woman to Juan Diego to an Aztec, you know, man. And, and this image, Mary's role creates the, the largest evangelization effort in the history of the world, right? That the Aztec people received Christ, received the Catholic faith, um, more quickly and more broadly. Yeah, they than would any like other. go to the churches from miles away and be like, "Hello, we heard about the image, and now we have to be baptized." Like, right? And Juan Diego made his life after this apparition. He just hung out at Tepeyac, where the apparition happened, where they built the church, and he's like, "Let me tell you a little story." Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you know had the tilma there, the Im- the uh, the cloth where. Um, Mary made her image known. Which I think it just speaks so much to, I don't know, I just feel like there's a school of evangelization within Our Lady of Guadalupe of like meeting people where they are and all of that as well. Love, I, I'd love that. I love all of it. Yeah. It's such a cool time of year. Yeah. Yeah. So she's she's rocking. Mary's awesome. Let me, t- uh, like, I wasn't sure if I wanted to share this, but. Oh, uh, go but, for it. Yeah. Today I'm going to share it because it's open door policy, It's open right? door. Yeah. So 2007, 
I'm a first year seminarian and um, we're going down to Mexico to estudiar Espanol to study <laughs> Spanish. Okay. <laughs> Wow, I always wondered why your Spanish was so good. I didn't realize. So bueno, I think is what you're looking for. That is what I meant to say. So we're getting ready to go down. And just before we went, maybe like two weeks before we went, I was home with my parents and my mom had shared with me that um, she uh, had gone to the, wasn't feeling well, gone to the doctor and they told her that she had um, kidney failure, that her kidneys weren't working and that she would need a transplant. And so I was really worried about it, right, hearing that. And so worrying about it. And as I was going down, I thought, all right, I'm going to give this to Our Lady of Guadalupe. I'm going to put this in her hands because I'm going to her shrine. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know you real well, uh, OLG, <laughs> right? I but don't I know you, Our Lady things. of Guadalupe. Yeah. yeah. But I just felt called to give it to her. So I go down. This is in May. Um, and made a holy hour before the image when we were mm. at, in Tepeyac and kind of entrusted all of that to her and felt some real peace about it, right? Like, okay, Our Lady, like, you got this. I don't need to worry about this. So I come home and um, my mom's kidneys, you know, got worse and worse and she needed a transplant. So I went and got tested and I was a match. Really? And so I talked, you know, went through all, all the stuff, all of the, um, like, all, all the trials and tests. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you match as a donor. And I went to meet the surgeon, and he's like, we can do it on one day only, December 12th. No is way. It's the only day I have available for it. So I'm like, that, um, okay, spoiler yeah. alert for the listeners. This is the feast, uh, December 12th is the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yeah. yeah. So that was oh the Feast of Our Lady gosh. of Guadalupe. So I gave it into her hands in May, and then it was Our Lady asking me to be part of the way that she would bring about this healing for my mom on on her feast day later that year. And I thought, all right, Our Lady of Guadalupe, I'm yours, right? Like, you got me, you got this, and I'm never going to doubt you again. Dang. So I, like, I got a real special place in my heart, my whole heart, <laughs> given over to Our Lady of Guadalupe. I'm... There's no way to top that story. So I feel like we have to end. <laughs> but yeah. I will say when you, oh, well, I, I do. Uh, da, da, yeah, da, no, there's no, gonna no. Be, okay. Go for it. Okay. I will say when I received word that you were going to become the director of evangelization, catechesis in schools, and I called you and said, do you want to get matching full arm, full <laughs> color sleeve tattoos of Our Lady of Guadalupe? And you said, no. <laughs> I'm st- I'm a little I'm a little bit disturbed by that. But anyway, I guess I'm over it now. <laughs> what what are you looking forward to in the new year? In the new year. Yeah. I know our department has been really trying to take on the spirit of unleash the gospel. We work with cultural ministries and catechesis and young adults and schools and athletics, athletics and um, uh, uh, religious education mm-hmm. programs. So we get to touch a lot of different people. We have been just trying to take on this spirit of unleash the gospel, which I think has like uh, two pillars: to be um, radically mission oriented mm. and spirit led. And so I am looking forward to this new year, just being more docile to the Holy Spirit and to us saying, okay, Lord, whatever you want us to do, we are ready to do. We're ready to look at a different direction of what Mm -hmm. religious education looks like. Mm -hmm. We are ready to say we're not playing sports on Sunday in this Mm -hmm. new year. That's part of what the pastoral letter calls for and all the logistical changes that that's going to make, right? We're ready to make our schools um, 
places where Jesus is encountered, where people grow as his disciple, and then they're ready to witness uh, to the power of his mercy. So I'm looking forward to this year of um, some of the action steps of Unleash the Gospel, uh, putting those into place, but most of all, uh, my department and me personally becoming more spirit-led and radically mission-oriented. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Pray for us. Ruega por nosotros. That means pray for us. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so, so to all of our um, all of our listeners, all of those who uh, have been with us on this episode or any other episode, we we hope you have a blessed Christmas with your family. We hope you look for an opportunity to uh, unleash the gospel during Can you the give Advent them a season and at Christmas. Can yeah. you give them a blessing? Through the intercession of Our Lady of Guadalupe, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to Open Door Policy. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed these episodes, and we look forward to being with you in the new year in 2019 to talk about Unleash the Gospel, the movement, and share the wonders that God is doing in the church in Detroit with you. Be sure to subscribe and like us on iTunes and to bring your friends along for the ride. And if the Holy Spirit has inspired you while listening today, be sure to pass this episode along to someone else who might enjoy it. Open Door Policy was recorded and produced at Sacred Heart Major Seminary for the Archdiocese of Detroit by Ron Pangborn, who loves that Barking Dog Jingle Bells song. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so, like, underplayed. I'm Father Steve Polis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. Open Door Policy.